Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. Today, I'm not going to be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman. Paul's been a little under the weather, and it has completely wrecked his voice. Suffice to say, that's a bit of a problem for a podcaster, so I'm sure you'll join me in wishing Paul a speedy recovery so he can join us again. But I will carry on for this episode because 2018 is almost over, so I wanted to take a little bit of time to go back and reminisce about the biggest and best Marvel Studios stories that we saw this year. And I want to begin with a thank you. Thank you, Ed Barton, Brian White, and Gregory Perlman. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And I also want to thank all of our patrons for a wonderful 2018 that we had over on our Patreon community for Marvel Studios News. Now, if you don't know, we offer all kinds of exclusive content almost every day on our Patreon. We have Patreon credit scenes where we have an episode like this, although this one, since I'm on my own, there won't be a Patreon credit scene. But normally when we do these main shows, we add a Patreon credit scene. It's additional conversation where we perhaps expand on the topic that we discussed in the main show or we discuss an entirely new topic. Uh, but that exclusive content is available for just a dollar a month. And also starting in January, our patrons are actually going to have access to this podcast 24 hours before it hits the rest of the internet. And there are more exclusives, many more exclusives on the Patreon. We have two weekly Q&A shows. We have a Daily Bugle where every Monday through Friday, I'm breaking down the latest Marvel news. There's a monthly exclusive episode of the Marvel Studios News Podcast and also the Marvel Unlimited Book Club Podcast where we talk about comics every single month. So plenty of exclusives over on the Patreon and also opportunities to be on the show with us and even do movie commentary tracks with us. So you can find out all of that information at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Now let me just begin this episode by stating what... I'm pretty sure it's just the obvious. 2018 was the best year ever for Marvel Studios. It was their 10th anniversary year. The studio made $4 billion, or their three movies this year earned $4 billion at the global box office. They had two films domestically top $600 million at the box office, and also Black Panther topped $700 million at the domestic box office. Avengers Infinity War, $2 billion globally, just an incredible year for Marvel Studios, but what makes it all so great and what makes this the best year is not just because they made money, it's because they earned it with, I think, their two best movies that they've ever done, Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther being their best, uh, more pure standalone type of film, and Infinity War being the best of their big uh, team-up event Avengers type of, of movies. And so, and I can't really pick which one I like better because they're both equally great at doing the different things that they're each tasked with doing. So it's uh, it's very hard to uh, to pick a winner between the two. But 2018, just an unbelievable year for Marvel Studios. It's so great that even if 2019 doesn't match it, that's okay. That's not a slight to 2019. That's not a failure or even disappointment for 2019 because 2018 was just something really special and not the kind of thing that you can even count on happening every single year for Marvel Studios or for any studio or just in this industry for that matter. Although I do think 2019 is also going to be 
pretty special for Marvel. But with 2018, there were so many stories, and a story that really carried throughout the entire year, there were a couple of those, but one is that this is the 10th anniversary of Marvel Studios. The celebration actually began a little bit before 2018, in late 2017, in late November, and then through December is when we started hearing more about the anniversary. There were the four Vanity Fair covers and the big Vanity Fair photo shoot and so many articles that were talking about the anniversary and and what everything was building to with Infinity War and where it started with Iron Man. So a lot of that kind of kicked off a little bit early, but then I think where things really kicked in for me in 2018 for the 10th anniversary year was when Marvel Studios released the class photo back on February 8th, 2018. It was, what, 70, 80 people in that photo. So many of the stars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the filmmakers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Stan Lee, of course, was there. Kevin Feige was there. And so many people in this photo. The photo was amazing, and it really kind of showed how far we've come, even though one photo really couldn't show everything that's gone into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everybody who's contributed. We had actors like Tom Hiddleston and Clark Gregg who couldn't be there and so many others who played pivotal roles in making the MCU what it is today who couldn't be a part of the photo. But for Marvel to be able to get that many people together, and that photo actually took place around the same time as the Vanity Fair photo shoot, and it was all part of that weekend. It actually it all happened in October of 2017, but then we got to see the photo and a behind-the-scenes video for the photo in February of this year, and it was just so special to really look and see how much the MCU has meant to the people who've been part of it, and to also just think about how much the MCU has meant to those of us who've been enjoying it from our seats in movie theaters. It's just been, uh, it's been an incredible ride for Marvel Studios these past 10 years. And so to have that class photo as we were getting ready to lead into uh, event, well, Black Panther the very next week at the box office, and then, of course, Avengers Infinity War. But i just never seen anything like this uh, because nobody else has had a, a universe like the MCU to celebrate in this way, to have this massive photo shoot for 10 years that covers so many different movies at that point because they had already been shooting Avengers uh, 4. Now we know it's Avengers Endgame. They had already been shooting that in the back half of 2017. So it's 22 productions on movies that Marvel had been through at that point because Ant-Man and the Wasp had also shot uh, at that point in time. So to see all of that uh, come together and so many of the people who made those movies what they are all come together for this photo and then to see them interacting with each other uh, just as people at this event in that behind-the-scenes video, it was really, really special. And it was something that I got surprisingly emotional about, but I think it was just everything that I had been thinking about on the journey to those movies all coming to a head. And I really loved uh, that class photo from Marvel Studios and, and the video that came with it. There were other things that also marked the 10th anniversary of Marvel Studios. We saw title cards with the 10th anniversary logo in Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp. We've seen title cards with the 10th anniversary logo in trailers for Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. There's been merchandise all over the place. I've got a few 10th anniversary t-shirts. There's the limited edition Kevin Feige crew hat line. At the Disney store, there was the Avengers Infinity War one that was sold online only, the Ant-Man and the Wasp X-Con hat 
that was sold in stores and online. But there's been all kinds of merchandise in support of the Marvel Studios' 10th anniversary. There was the Hasbro line of figures celebrating the 10th anniversary. And there was also a marathon in the final days of August and the first few days of September. There was an IMAX marathon of all 20 Marvel Studios movies. And I actually went and watched all 20 movies at the TCL Chinese Theater IMAX in Hollywood, California. No, I didn't have to watch all 20 movies in a row uh, consecutively without taking any breaks. It was four movies a day for five straight days. And it was myself and only one other person who was there at TCL Chinese Theater IMAX for every single screening for the full run of 20 films. But it was an amazing way to go back and relive all of those films. And I'm so glad that Marvel and, and IMAX got together to offer that kind of film festival experience for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was always the way uh, I had wanted them to do it if they were going to do a marathon of movies rather than one marathon straight, make it a festival, break it up over a few days. And, and they did it, and it was really great to go check out all of those movies again and also get another look at something like Avengers Infinity War in IMAX uh, after it had left theaters because it had already been out on Blu-ray for about a month or so before uh, before this film festival. But really, it was just an amazing year for Marvel Studios, and to have that coincide with the anniversary just made it that much better, that much more meaningful. So I really enjoyed celebrating Marvel's 10th anniversary, and I know we're going to go ahead and continue that celebration into 2019 as we lead into Avengers Endgame. Now, of course, three of the biggest and best Marvel Studios stories this year were the three Marvel Studios movies that we got starting with black panther in february the movie itself was phenomenal as i said i think it's marvel's best standalone film at this point but then black panther became one of the biggest stories of the year in all of pop culture because of the way the film was received 202 million dollars on its opening weekend domestically 700 million domestic and then 1.35 billion dollars worldwide, which is more than any solo superhero movie has ever made. That's more than a Batman movie has ever made, more than a Spider-Man movie has ever made, more than an Iron Man movie has ever made. And the reason it made so much money is because the movie was great and it made an impact. It touched people in ways that maybe we expected, but also in ways that exceeded our expectations and exceeded Marvel's expectations. It's one thing to know in your mind and understand that representation matters, that, that it's important, that it's worth doing, that it needs to be done. It's one thing to know that in your mind, but it's quite another to actually see the impact. And being there at TCL Chinese Theater IMAX for opening night of Black Panther and seeing an audience that was much more diverse than I had ever seen on a Marvel Studios opening night. It showed that this was a movie that people had been waiting for. This was an audience that hadn't been represented, certainly not in this way, on this scale. And when it finally happened, Marvel opened itself up to an entirely new audience. The audience for Marvel movies got bigger. That was momentum that carried into Avengers Infinity War. And you had a movie in Black Panther that 
explored different perspectives of the African experience and of the African American experience, while also diving into other complex themes that were universal and showed as people of color have known all along because they've been relating to characters and stories told with predominantly white casts that we all are capable of relating to stories and characters who don't necessarily have the same skin color as we do because we are, as T'Challa puts it, all part of one single tribe. So Black Panther was just really special and its story continued throughout the year and then really picked up as we got towards the end of 2018 as we see the movie being recognized by so many different award-giving bodies. The Golden Globes nominated for Best Picture, for Best Motion Picture Drama. It was named one of the best films of the year by the National Board of Review and the American Film Institute. It's been nominated for several Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture. It's also been nominated for Best Ensemble Cast by the Screen Actors Guild. The Oscar nominations don't come out until January 22nd, but Black Panther is going to do very well there. It's a semifinalist in a lot of different categories, and it remains a very strong contender for a Best Picture nomination, and I also think a Best Picture victory at the Academy Awards. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, Black Panther really got Marvel's momentum going in 2018, and that rolled right into Avengers Infinity War and helped that film have the biggest opening in box office history, both domestically with $257.7 million and worldwide with $640.5 million. It went on to grow $678.8 million domestically and $2.05 billion worldwide. And it earned every single dollar. There's no Marvel movie I can think of that ever had higher expectations than Avengers Infinity War. This is something that we've been building to for 10 years and then really had our sights set on for about three and a half years or so by the time it came out because of that presentation at El Capitan Theater when the movie was originally announced as a part one and a part two. And so for the Russos and Feige and everybody at Marvel Studios to be able to exceed those expectations was really remarkable. The first time I saw the film, I was fortunate enough to go to the world premiere in Hollywood, which was just a few days before it hit theaters. And, and of course, we'll all never forget that the movie got moved up a week. It was originally scheduled for release on May 4th. It got bumped up to April 27th. And the same thing has happened with Avengers Endgame, originally scheduled for May 3rd, now bumped up to April 26th. But Marvel sent everyone a message, and it was that you need to go see this movie in theaters. You don't want to be spoiled. And Marvel did what they could by changing the release date so that as many people as possible had the chance to see the movie at around the same time so that that way there'd be uh, even less of a chance of spoilers getting out because nobody would have wanted to be spoiled for Avengers Infinity War because it had an ending with the snap that just instantly became iconic. It was one of the most talked about movie moments of all time, and it's something that I don't know that any film has ever really done this since Empire Strikes Back to end a film in this way with Empire, with the hero of the story being told that his arch nemesis is actually his father. And then in this one, where the heroes that we're so used to seeing win, and no matter what the odds, they win. They refuse to compromise. They don't trade lives, but they still win. This time, they didn't. And you have Avengers, which ends 
partially with, or near the end, you have Captain America saying, we won, when he's asked what just happened. This time, when he's asked what just happened, he can only say, oh God, because that devastation is sinking in. The Avengers lost, and the consequences were severe. I mean, as severe as as one could imagine. I guess you could imagine the snap killing everybody in the universe, but losing 50% of all life in the universe in one shot. And it's actually more than 50% when you add in collateral damage, but you have 50% just disappearing. And I'll never forget the reactions. When I went and saw the movie on opening night, I mean, the reaction in the room when I saw it at the premiere, my own reaction, but then watching it as I was watching it for the second time, the third time, and on down the line through the opening weekend and kept going back. And there were plenty of people in the audience who were seeing it for the first time. And then just hearing the gasps and then just the silence as people were shuffling out of the theater. Yes, there was the Captain Marvel post credit scene, but a lot of people didn't necessarily know what that meant. And so it was just a very different reaction. You know, when that title Avengers Infinity War comes on the screen, when the credits start rolling, everybody just, you know, normally that's thunderous applause for a Marvel movie, but you just have silence. People were just sitting with the devastation of this moment, not necessarily sure how to process it. They knew they liked it, but maybe they weren't entirely sure how to feel about it because it's just not what they were used to seeing. But people were talking about it. You know, that ending for Avengers Infinity War, people wanted to know what happens next. And what's really great about what Marvel did in 2018 is that they kept the focus on Avengers Infinity War. I mean, it's even more so than just in 2018. But in the buildup to Avengers Infinity War, they really made most of the world forget that there was another Avengers movie coming in 2019. And I know that people, for an audience that listens to a podcast that's about Marvel, clearly this is these are all of you out there are, are people who follow this stuff and, and know more about this stuff than the average person who goes in and watches these movies. But I can tell you it happened several times this year when I'm wearing an Avengers hat or shirt, which is fairly often. There were several occasions this year after Infinity War where people would come up to me and they were, wanted to talk to me about Infinity War and how sad that ending was and how shocking that ending was. And most of them didn't know that there was an Avengers movie coming in 2019. When I told them, they were pleasantly surprised that there was another Avengers movie coming not very long after Avengers Infinity War. And those same people, by the way, they don't look at these movies through the same lens that we do as people who know comic books or know enough about comic books to know that people die and they come back and Infinity Gauntlet, everybody or half the people went away and then they came back. They don't look at it that way. They don't know all of that stuff. So they're really genuinely surprised by a lot more of these things than, than we are, which is not to say that Marvel can't catch us by surprise. They do. But for, a, for an audience that isn't as well-versed in all of these kinds of things as we are, they looked at Peter Parker dying in Avengers Infinity War, and they just thought that's it. They thought that Black Panther died. Not everybody is as cynical as we might be or know as much as we as we do or or just assume, well, everybody's got to know, right, that Black Panther's going to get a sequel. He can't die. Well, there were a lot of people who genuinely believed that those characters died in Avengers Infinity War. But even for those of us 
who know that these characters are going to come back. It's not about the fact that they died and will come back. It's the fact that in that moment, for those characters experiencing that moment in that world, it's real to them. They don't know that they're comic book characters. They're not self-aware. This isn't a Deadpool movie where they're breaking the fourth wall. They don't have the self-awareness that's going to allow them to realize that they are characters in a superhero movie, and so their deaths will not be permanent. It's real to them in that moment, and it's real to the people who are losing them, who are watching their friends and their family fade away into nothing. But now I'm just retreading on my Infinity War review. But it's easy enough to understand why that film made such an impact. I mean, it's not just the ending. It's a great film from start to finish. But that ending is something that I got to imagine people will never forget, especially people who are kids this year watching Infinity War. 20 years from now, they're going to remember when they first saw Infinity War and they first had to watch Spider-Man die. So Infinity War made a massive impact. It's an instant classic in the superhero genre and it's the biggest marvel studios movie of all time and then we'll see if avengers endgame will be able to break any of infinity wars box office records it already broke one record from infinity war but i'll get to that in just a little bit and if you'll forgive the pun a smaller story but still an important story was ant-man and the wasp this year Ant-Man and the Wasp was the 20th feature film released by Marvel Studios. So that's a really cool milestone that we saw in 2018. And even though Ant-Man and the Wasp wasn't special in the way that Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War were special, it was still a very good, fun, and enjoyable movie in its own right. I really had a blast with the movie. But even if you go back to the spoiler review I did with Paul, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I knew it wasn't on the level of Marvel's very best, but I still thought that it was very good. And director Peyton Reed did a great job. And we saw the film make some nice uh, improvements in terms of box office. There was some growth, no pun intended, that time for the franchise. Uh, the movie ended up grossing $216.7 million domestic. I think the first one was like $180 million or something like that. And then worldwide, the first Ant-Man movie made $519 million. We saw the second one, Ant-Man and the Wasp, make $622.7 million. So the audience for this movie has expanded, and that's a good thing. And I think more people are going to want to make sure they catch up with this film on Blu-ray, or it's probably going to be on Netflix before Avengers Endgame comes out. And that's going to be helpful, because what we saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp was we saw seeds being planted for the quantum realm, in ways that I think are more specific and more relevant to Avengers Endgame than what we'd previously seen in the first Ant-Man film or a little bit of the teases that we got in Doctor Strange. That mid credit scene, well, some of the other stuff that was talked about in the quantum realm throughout the film, but then that mid credit scene, and, and that was another reaction that I loved this year. People thought they had this nice vacation from Avengers Infinity War, and they did, uh, but then vacation was over with the mid credit scene in Ant-Man, and to hear some of those reactions, more of those gasps from the audience that, uh, yeah, more characters have been killed via the snap from Thanos. But when we look back on it, whether it's just in a few months from now after Avengers Endgame, or it could even be after Avengers Endgame and then continue on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we could end up looking back on Ant-Man and the Wasp as a very important film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of what it sets up with the Quantum Realm. So Ant-Man and the Wasp made an impact, and again, that movie, improving upon the worldwide grosses of the first film, was critical in getting Marvel Studios over that $4 billion 
milestone. Obviously, Infinity War and Black Panther did most of the work, but Ant-Man and the Wasp did its part and got Marvel Studios to $4 billion with just three movies in 2018. The Disney-Fox deal was also a big part of this year. The deal was initially announced on December 14th of 2017, and then there wasn't really that much news on the Disney-Fox deal. It was going through the regulatory process, and then Towards the middle of the year is when things started heating up. There were rumors, I think it was I think it was back in May, but it might have even started in April, that Comcast was going to take another run at bidding on Fox, and they were going to try and outbid Disney for those Fox assets. And Comcast did. They came in with a higher bid, and Disney was forced to raise their bid. It was originally, I think, $52.4 billion, and they raised it to $71.3 billion dollars. And Fox accepted that higher bid, and then Comcast elected not to bid again. So the path was clear for Disney. Uh, so all of that ended up happening. All, all of that that little mini bidding war happened in June of this year. And then near the end of June, Disney and Fox got approval from the Department of Justice in the United States to carry forward with the deal. The only condition of that approval was that Disney has to sell off the regional sports cable networks that it was picking up in the Fox deal. And then at the end of July, shareholders voted from both Fox and Disney to go ahead and approve the deal. And since then, we've seen some other regulatory approvals come in. The European Union approval came in in November and there were a couple of uh, there were a few cable networks that Disney had to divest its interest in, but minimal conditions there. And then there were no conditions when approval came in from China. So there are still some approvals that are pending. Brazil is one of the major markets that's out there that has yet to approve the deal. But there have been reports that Disney executives expect to have all the approvals in and, and to be ready to close the deal by the last week of January 2019. Uh, but there's also been some expectation from Disney that they've more publicly stated uh, when Bob Iger did an earnings call and there were other executives on the call and he talked about how there's going to be an investor day in April. And the main purpose of that is to show off Disney plus and show the app and show some of the content that's going to be there. Uh, but then they also mentioned how they could provide uh, provided the deal closes uh, in time that they could provide uh, a look at what Disney is like post Fox acquisition. As a reminder, the original timetable for the deal to close or, or the timetable that we were working off of was when Disney and Fox sent out information to shareholders for the vote. They advised shareholders that they expected the deal to close within 6 to 12 months of June 20th, 2018. So that sets the the closing or the, the back end of the closing at June 20th, 2019 as the latest they expected to be able to close the deal. But Bob Iger on that same earnings call the one where he talked about the investor day, he talked about Disney being confident that they will close the deal meaningfully earlier than the back end of that estimate of uh, June for closing. So it looks like Disney at least expects to be able to wrap this up within the first quarter of 2019. And as we know for Marvel, the Fox licensed characters from the X-Men and Fantastic Four franchises and all Marvel franchises, but those are the two main families, uh, those will be coming home to Marvel Studios, and Kevin Feige's recently mentioned on the Playback podcast with Chris Tapley, uh, he talked about being told that the deal would close within the first half or could close in the first half of, of next year, which again, is that's the original timetable that Disney and Fox had told investors. So we're getting close to the end of this deal and the deal being 
final. There are still some approvals that need to come in, but Disney Fox is almost done. The Fantastic Four and X-Men are almost home as we turn the calendar to 2019. And if you'll permit me to just throw out a wish list for 2019 real quick as it relates to the Disney Fox deal. So I mentioned that purchase price, right? $71.3 billion for Fox. Well, a lot of that money Disney's going to be getting back. Again, there will be billions of dollars that they'll get back when they sell those regional cable sports networks. They're also getting some of their costs back via Sky because when the Disney Fox deal was announced, Disney was acquiring Fox's 39% stake in Sky with the idea that they would buy 61% once Fox finished buying Sky. Well, that remaining 61%, Comcast swooped in and bought that. And so since Disney couldn't have a majority share in Sky, they authorized Fox to sell that 39% stake in Sky that was going to go to Disney. Disney authorized Fox to go ahead and sell that to Comcast. So that's more savings on this deal, which takes the edge off the bidding war that drove Disney's price up when they were buying Fox. But maybe they take some of that money, or at least I hope they take some of that money and they go ahead and they buy the rights to Spider-Man back from Sony. That's not a prediction that that's going to happen in 2019. It's just something I could see happening. So I'm just throwing it out there for a bit of fun on this show. Now, in some ways related to the Disney Fox deal, we have the falling out of Marvel Television and Netflix. Before the Disney Fox deal was even officially announced, back in December of last year, I wrote an article summarizing how I felt the Disney Fox deal could result in the end of Marvel and Netflix and their partnership. And then in January, Marvel Entertainment President Dan Buckley told Bloomberg in an interview that Marvel was not likely going to create new series for Netflix. They would continue with new seasons of existing shows, but they wouldn't be creating any brand new series for Netflix. And that makes sense. Disney was getting ready and still is getting ready to launch their own streaming service, which we now know to be Disney+. And the Fox deal, once it closes, will give Disney a majority share in Hulu and then, of course, all of FX. And these are two great outlets. If Disney still wants to have Marvel making mature-rated live-action content, that's not going to work for Disney+, Plus, but it will work for Hulu and FX. Everybody talks about Disney+, Plus as the obvious reason why there's not going to be Marvel content on Netflix, but... It's not just Disney Plus because Disney Plus was never going to show mature rated Marvel content. So what the Disney Fox deal did was it gave Marvel and Disney another place. If they wanted to still make mature rated live action shows, they could put them on Hulu or FX, which are outlets that Disney has a stake in, a majority stake with Hulu, and they'll have all of uh, all of FX. So Disney and Marvel's fading interest in Netflix was obvious. And then what we saw later in this year was Netflix also losing interest in the partnership. But it's not hard to imagine how Marvel might have not been the easiest partner to work with for Netflix anymore when there was a lack of interest on Marvel's side and really keeping things going. Because Netflix, of course, had the option to keep renewing shows, but the shows were expensive. There's some data to suggest that there had been a viewership drop-off on at least some of the shows, maybe not Daredevil or maybe not as severe on Daredevil, but the shows were expensive. 
Maybe Marvel wasn't as easy to work with as they had been in the past, and the two sides just didn't get along as well anymore because really nobody was as interested in the partnership today or this year as they were when the whole thing got started. And so we saw Iron Fist and Luke Cage canceled within a week of each other in October, followed by Daredevil's cancellation in late November. And so now we just await the inevitable for Punisher and Jessica Jones to be canceled next year once their new seasons Punisher drops its second season in January, so we can probably expect a cancellation sometime in February or March, if not in January, right after the season drops. And then Jessica Jones, we don't have a date yet, but it will release its third season, and then we can expect a cancellation not long after that. And that will be the official end of Marvel on Netflix, other than, of course, going back and watching all the episodes that have already debuted but that will be the last new season in all likelihood jessica jones season three will be the last new marvel live action content on netflix for the foreseeable future and when one door closes another opens and even though it doesn't cover mature rated content we are going to get marvel live action series on disney plus except that these are not going to be made by Marvel Television. These are going to be made by Marvel Studios, and they are going to feature actors who've been playing these characters on the big screen. The first reports of limited series for Scarlet Witch and Loki broke in September. A Falcon and Winter Soldier series was reported in October, and then there have also been updates regarding the Scarlet Witch series, how that may prominently feature or just completely co-star Vision. Now, the only series that's been confirmed thus far is Loki, though I expect that we will hear about the Scarlet Witch slash Vision series and the Falcon and Winter Soldier series before too long. Maybe we will hear about those when Disney does that Investor Day in April and they start making a lot more announcements regarding Disney+. Plus. If we don't hear about it then, then it'll be part of Marvel's post-Avengers Endgame announcements that we'll probably see at Comic-Con and or D23 Expo in the summer of 2019. Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige has talked about the series on a couple of occasions now, and again, not confirming any specific series, but just confirming Marvel Studios' involvement in making limited series for Disney+. And he even cited them as a reason why he thinks it's a great place to be at the Walt Disney Company right now. And so that points to Kevin Feige probably sticking around for years to come. There's been some worry and some speculation that with a potentially expiring contract that Kevin Feige might drop the mic after Avengers Endgame, and nobody could really blame him for it, but I think he is sticking around. I would imagine he's probably already signed a contract extension based on the way he's been talking about these Disney Plus series and his future. I think he's here to lead Marvel Studios into a new era, not just in terms of what they're doing on the big screen, but also changing how and where they are telling their stories thanks to Disney Plus, because that really is going to be new territory for Marvel Studios. While they've been involved in some of the Marvel television projects in the early going, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, for the most part, they've taken a step back, especially since Marvel Studios left the rest of Marvel Entertainment and started reporting to only the Walt Disney Studios. We really have seen Marvel Studios' involvement in the television stuff decrease and now they get to 
run their own shop when it comes to TV, although this isn't TV. It's a limited series. Uh, but now Marvel Studios gets to tell stories in a different way, and I'm sure that's exciting for the studio and exciting for Kevin Feige, and obviously it's going to be very excited for all of us. So these limited series on Disney Plus are certainly going to be among the biggest Marvel stories of 2019. Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame are going to be big stories in 2019, but they've already been big stories in 2018 with Captain Marvel. We started seeing some of our initial looks at the film via Entertainment Weekly. There was a cover and some photos released and some articles back in September. That was followed by the first trailer on September 18th. We since had a second trailer on December 3rd. And Paul and I talked about each trailer on the show I really love both of them. I was impressed by each Captain Marvel trailer, and so far we're seeing mostly positive reactions to these trailers. I know there have been some negative reactions, and maybe you personally haven't necessarily been the biggest fan of one or both Captain Marvel trailers, and that's totally fine. Reasonable minds can disagree, though I do think these trailers are working, and I think they are getting the mainstream moviegoers motivated to come see this movie when it comes out on March 8th. There was a Fandango poll that was conducted for USA Today last week that showed that Captain Marvel is the, currently anyway, it's the second most anticipated movie of 2019, right behind Avengers Endgame, ahead of... Star Wars Episode Nine, ahead of Spider-Man Far From Home, ahead of The Lion King, ahead of some really big releases that are coming out in 2019. So I think there's a lot of mainstream awareness and anticipation for Captain Marvel, and I do believe this movie is going to be a massive hit. I know some people have been wondering if this movie might disappoint at the box office based on their own reactions to the trailers, but we've seen Marvel not necessarily impress all of the hardcore fans with trailers before, and then at the box office, Marvel does what they always do, and they hit it out of the park. I think that's going to happen again for Captain Marvel. Now, with Avengers Endgame, I already mentioned before how the release date got bumped up. Avengers Endgame was a massive story in 2018, and we didn't even know what to call it. I mean, there was already speculation dating back to when the film was in production in 2017, but the theories, the fan speculation, the rumors, all of that kicked into high gear once we all saw Avengers Infinity War because everybody wanted to know what's going to happen next. And everybody had theories for what really happened at the end with the snap and how the Avengers could come back from that, how they could save the people who were dusted. And there are all kinds of theories out there. Reddit is full of ideas for what's going to happen in Avengers Endgame, and it's been full of ideas for several months. But Marvel sat out the conversation. Marvel wasn't really worried about it. They just let the demand for Avengers Endgame grow and grow and grow based on Avengers Infinity War. Marvel did not engage the audience with any Avengers Endgame marketing other than the occasional cryptic posts from the Russo brothers. Marvel really didn't engage the audience with Avengers 4 slash Avengers Endgame marketing for most of the year. Marvel skipped Comic-Con, then they went back into production. They had about a four- to six-week production period of additional photography for Avengers Endgame. And the Russos announced when that period had wrapped, but that was mostly it. Marvel was quiet on Avengers Endgame until they dropped the trailer that included the title announcement back on December 7th. And that plan worked because Avengers Endgame broke Infinity War's record 
the first Infinity War trailer that was released in very late November 2017 set a record with 230 million views in its first 24 hours. Avengers Endgame shattered that mark. It had 289 million views in its first 24 hours. Now that doesn't guarantee that Endgame is going to break any of Infinity War's box office records, but it does show that the interest in this film is very, very high and that everybody was just waiting on this trailer and they were just fine with Marvel Studios not engaging them for most of the year regarding that specific film anyway, because once Marvel gave us just the tiniest piece of Avengers Endgame, a trailer that really didn't show that much, didn't really matter. People loved it. They ate it up, and now everybody's ready for Avengers Endgame in 2019 after, of course, they go see Captain Marvel. And I'll just add that I loved that Marvel was able to keep the title mostly hidden and that they chose to announce it with the trailer. Now, I know the title isn't that significant that they could have dropped it, at any other point in time because it isn't really that much of a spoiler or anything like that. But I liked it. I thought that was going to be a fun idea and a fun way of learning the title of the movie was to actually see it at the end of the first trailer. So I like that Marvel Studios did it that way. Although, of course, as many of us know, the director of photography for Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, Trent Opalock, actually put on his personal website back in June put the title Avengers Endgame on there and then changed it when people started noticing he changed it to Avengers 4. So the title leaked, but most people didn't really know about that. It didn't reach most of the audience, so it was still a big surprise. And even after that leak with Avengers Endgame, there were rumors of Avengers Annihilation being the title for a while. And so there was some thought that maybe the title had changed or even Endgame was never the title. It was just a placeholder that Trent Opalock put on his title as a placeholder. So it still wasn't 100% certain that Avengers Endgame was the title until Marvel dropped that trailer. The biggest story on marvelstudiosnews.com earlier this year, the one that got the most views, was actually an article that I wrote about Joe Russo's restaurant, Simone, in the Arts District of downtown L.A., a few days before the restaurant opened, and I did go on opening night, which I think was September 20th, but a few days before that, some stars of the MCU as well as Kevin Feige were there, and there was a photo that was shared from the event from inside Joe Russo's restaurant. And so I just wrote an article about the stars of the MCU partying at Joe Russo's new restaurant, and the Russo brothers ended up sharing that on their social media accounts. It was the link in their Instagram bio for a while. And so thanks to the Russos, we were able to pick up a lot of traffic for that story. And it became the most viewed story on marvelstudiosnews.com this year. But that's no credit to me whatsoever. That's just a thank you to the Russos for, uh, for sharing my article. But Simone is great, by the way. My wife and I enjoyed an amazing meal there on that opening night back in September. And so I certainly recommend it. If you're in L.A. or visiting, just head to the Arts District in downtown and check out Simone. The absolute biggest story of the Marvel year in 2018, it's hard to really call it a best story because it was sad news, but certainly there's no story bigger this year than the passing of Stan Lee back on November 12th. Paul and I did a tribute episode back in November, and it was really hard to lose Stan because even though you can be aware of the reality of certain things and that we all have to go sometime, and Stan was 95 going on 96, his 96th birthday would have been last Friday, the 28th, 
it's just hard not to think of Stan as immortal because he is immortal in all the ways that a human being can be immortal. And physically, he is gone. And it's hard to think about him not being at the next premiere for a Marvel movie because he's always there. But thankfully, his presence will always be a part of Marvel. It will be a part of my life. It will be part of the lives of, of everybody he touched and he left behind an incredible legacy. And while I still can't quite phrase it as the be one of the best stories of 2018, what was great about it was the celebration of Stan's life to really see the impact that he made on so many people. And to know that he was with us long enough for him to see the impact that he made, for him to witness Marvel Studios having their best year ever. Not that it was all about Marvel Studios because he was creating Marvel characters before Marvel Studios was even a dream, but to see his characters, his creations, his co-creations impacting the world on an even bigger way than they had before, which is really saying something because his characters had already been making a massive impact. So I'm glad that Stan was here to see most of 2018, where we really hit a new peak in the interest in Marvel characters and Marvel stories. And I'm not going to have any other news stories try to follow Stan Lee, because who can follow Stan? But before I wrap up this episode, I do just want to say thank you to all of you who've been with us and been listening for this past year. I mean, for the people who've been listening from the very beginning, of course, thank you to the people who followed me, whether that's from Batman on Film or Modern Myth Media. Whether you've been listening to us for several years or just this year, thank you. And thank you especially for a terrific 2018 on this podcast. This was something that I really missed doing when I had to take a hiatus from it for most of 2017. And it really hurt to be away because I love talking about this stuff. I love Marvel characters, Marvel stories, Marvel comics, Marvel television, Marvel studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love it all. And it's one of my absolute favorite things to talk about. And I love talking about it with Paul, and I missed doing this show. And when you go away for a while, you never know if the audience is going to come back. And you can't really blame them if they don't come back because you stopped making shows. So I wasn't really sure what was going to happen when we started doing this show again. But you've all embraced this show, and so thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. And again, that's whether you were with us from the beginning since we started doing this podcast the very first time in 2015, or you joined us when we got started at the very beginning of this year, or if you got started or you found us somewhere along the way when we were doing our Road to Infinity War as we were getting ready for that film, or maybe you found us because of our spoiler review for Infinity War, or you found us for our Stanley episode, or our Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse episode, or our trailer breakdowns for Captain Marvel or Avengers Endgame However you found us, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you for your time, your attention, your love, your support. We really do appreciate it. 2018 has been a fantastic year to be a Marvel fan in so many different respects. But I know that for Paul and I, a huge part of the reason it's been so much fun for us to be Marvel fans is the love and support that we've received from all of you. So thank you once again for a terrific 
2018. I can't wait to do it all again, only bigger and better in 2019. So for Paul, for Marvel Studios News, I'm Sean Gerber. Happy New Year. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.